Did it feel like in 2020 you heard one piece of bad news after another? Jonathan Ekman tells us some good news about what happened last year at The Voice of the Martyrs. We really thought when all the lockdowns started, we're in trouble. We're not. How are we going to move Bibles? Uh, and what we've found almost without exception is that we have still been able to distribute Bibles. And in one really unique case, there is a, a country where we have had Bibles staged for a couple of years and been unable to get them into the target country. And now with the COVID lockdowns, suddenly the borders were much easier. And we were able to move 40,000 Bibles into one of the most restricted countries in the world. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2021. And we are in the studio with Jonathan Ekman. He is the Vice President for International Ministry here at The Voice of the Martyrs, as well as Cole Richards. He is our president. So we're going to start out the year uh, sort of talking about what we see for Voice of the Martyrs in 2021, the countries where we'll be working, where maybe we haven't worked as much before, countries where we'll be doing more work, because unfortunately there is more persecution in those places as well as some of the things on the horizon for our ministry here in the United States. So we have a great half hour planned. Welcome back to Voice of the Martyrs Radio, Cole and Jonathan. Thank you. It's good Thank to be you, here. John. Jonathan, I want to start out with you because uh, folks are opening up their January magazine from Voice of the Martyrs. They're pulling out the prayer map and they're looking and they're seeing some new countries. Um, so the first question that I want to ask you is, how does that happen? What's the process for a country that wasn't on our map before to come on the map as either hostile or restricted? So the way that decision is made, really, we look at both the frequency of persecution in a country and the severity of that persecution. So many of these countries, uh, the two that were added this year, Burkina Faso and Cameroon, are countries that we've been monitoring for several years now. And in 2020, they kind of got over the hump uh, in frequency and severity to be for our, our leaders to put them on the, the map. What does that mean for VOM's work? Uh, I mean, like you say, we've already had some contacts within those countries. So it's not like we're just sort of newbies. But at the same time, obviously, that means there's more work for us to do. So how do you ramp up to fulfill the needs of the church in those places? You know, one thing that it's important to understand is that in, you know, when we think about Islamic terrorism and terrorist organizations, ISIS and things like that, they really have, to a large extent, been brought under control in, in the Middle East. But that is certainly not true in Africa. And we see just a just an expansion, a rapid expansion of persecution literally across the, the continent of Africa. Uh, in these countries that we've added this year, Burkina Faso and Cameroon in particular, it really just comes back to, to really refocusing our efforts and, and building stronger and stronger uh, relationships with church families and, and uh, other organizations in those countries to be able to respond to persecution. The majority of the work in these two countries especially is exactly that, it's persecution response. 
you know, we've been watching these countries for a while. Burkina Faso, for example, kind of came on our radar in about 2016, and we began to watch and monitor. And then in April of 2019, we saw large-scale attacks targeted at Christians, killing uh, 50 Christians and, and many other people being being wounded. What we've seen in the last year is more than 200 churches being closed uh, in Burkina Faso, and as many as 10,000 Christians being driven from their homes. That's what gets them on our, our map. They certainly get our attention. In Cameroon, on the other hand, it, it really is something we've been watching. Most of our efforts are in the north, up along the, the Nigerian border, uh, where for a long time, Nigerians would often flee to Cameroon for safety when Boko Haram would attack. And now Boko Haram is attacking on both sides of the borders. So some of the attacks that we're seeing in, in Cameroon are literally 30 miles from where they're attacking cities inside Nigeria. And is, it is Boko Haram. So it's it's the same people, the same bad guys coming across that border and just kind of furthering their reach? Yes, absolutely. And I'll, I'll tell you a, a great story. I, I got to meet a pastor from this area uh, not too long ago, and he pastors a church that's on a main thoroughfare. And he had already sent his family six hours away so they would be safe. And he's pastoring this church. They're, they're a vocal out front church. It's not an underground church. And everyone in the town was saying, they're going to kill you, Boko Haram. They're going, it's just a matter of time till they kill you. And I listened to his story, and I remember sitting there when it was over. I asked him, brother, why do you stay? It seems like a very normal question to me. Uh, he looked at me like I was crazy, and he said, he said, brother, if I run, what will happen to my flock? And he paused, and he said, and what about the gospel? And, and when he said that, I, I've often said, I, I usually feel like the least spiritual guy in the room, but I really, sitting at that table, thought, I'm not even worthy to sit here with this brother. And honestly, brother, it wouldn't surprise me at all to find out that he is killed someday by Boko Haram. But, but the kind of believers, the kind of brothers and sisters in that area who are willing to risk their life for the gospel and to see their churches strengthened and to minister to their churches is a huge thing. I kind of picture that pastor and his wife having the conversation and him saying to her, well, honey, it's not safe for you here. I need you to go six hours away. And her saying, well, what about you? If it's not safe here, why are you going to stay? Absolutely. So, Todd, we really want our listeners to become aware of the situation we're describing in Africa. With everything that's happened in 2020 with the pandemic, our own election, society, societal issues here in the U.S., there have been a host of reasons why our listeners may have heard nothing at all about what we're describing. And and it really is uh, as dramatic as it sounds and even worse, honestly, that radical Islam is strongly advancing across the African continent. Many of the countries that we're starting to work more significantly in, like the ones Jonathan just mentioned and others like Sierra Leone and Ethiopia and Kenya, are places that have a Christian majority and have been very stable and developing African nations for decades. But now they have such significant radical Islamist activity that they are uh, beyond hotspots. I mean, these are places with a lot of violence, specifically targeted against Christians uh, in opposition to the gospel. So we really want to draw American Christians into an understanding of this because then they start to hear stories like Jonathan just told. Uh, then we understand the strength of our brothers and sisters in Christ in these places. After we understand what they're going through, then we can also become concerned and pray and help any way that we can. That was the voice of Cole Richards. He is our president here at the Voice of the Martyrs. And before that, he served in Jonathan's role as the vice president for international ministry. Uh, so he has a lot of experience on the international side as well. 
where is this coming from as it relates to radical Islam in Africa? Are they sort of self-radicalized? Are they being inspired by groups from outside the continent who are bringing in weapons and money and training? Or, or how how is it that this is sort of arising at this particular time? And like you say, not just in one country, but really all across the continent. Yeah, it's it's really important to understand that radical Islamist terrorism and, and violence isn't a group. So ISIS, as it was in Syria and Iraq, was a group. And then now, as Jonathan said, that group has been largely put in check. Um, what we're talking about isn't a group. It's an ideology. It's a belief that inspires, you know, in, in a dark and negative way, but it, it inspires people all over the continent of Africa who are all um, united under the idea of removing all other challenges uh, to Islamic faith, specifically Christianity and other religions that would challenge Islam, so that they can establish really an Islamic theocracy. So they're all united in that goal, and then they're loosely affiliated because they do. They share information with each other. Sometimes they fund each other. Uh, sometimes they bring arms uh, to one another. And all that can, is sometimes characterized as being under the auspices of the Islamic State, um, but it's more important to understand it as a big idea that they're all, you know, in some ways rallying together or cooperating in across the whole continent of Africa and even worldwide. So, Jonathan, we have now Burkina Faso and Cameroon on our prayer map. What does that mean for your team? I'm assuming somebody from our Africa team is going to need to go there. They're going to need to start asking questions and building up a network of contacts and how how hard is that for your team to sort of, from the ground up, develop everything that VOM needs in order to be able to deliver help to Christians who are persecuted? Well, it is a lot of work, but it's not something we're starting today. Uh, it's something that we've been working toward as we've monitored our guys. Our team has traveled uh, into both of these countries multiple times. Uh, we've worked really hard at establishing relationships with indigenous churches and indigenous uh, mission agencies that are in these countries. And now it's just a matter of us really investing to, to respond to these persecution needs that we've found. So it's, it's not something new. It's something that we do all the time. I, I think two other countries that come to mind in this would be Central African Republic, which we're really just beginning to understand, especially in the north. Uh, our team was just in the north, and and we've heard some incredible reports out of there of of just widespread persecution. We're continuing to dig into that and to to try to confirm that. Um, the other would be Ethiopia, um, another country that we've worked in for several years. But now, as we begin to really look and and begin to expand outside of of kind of the hub and, and out into the rural areas, we're seeing incredible persecution. You know, in in Africa. We think of Nigeria and Sudan as the two big persecution fields. We're pretty confident that Ethiopia will be very close uh, this year uh, to something like Sudan, and CAR could be just as big. So it, it is a daunting task for our Africa team, uh, trying to build, honestly, the capacity to be able to meet the needs, because as it looks right now, the needs are overwhelming. So the need to develop those relationships and partnerships with churches and other, honestly, Great Commission Christians that are working in those areas to work together for the sake of our persecuted family uh, in these countries. Yeah, the, the scale is really dramatic of what we're talking about. So these aren't 
small village attacks, these these are the combined total of these things are staggering. So in the Central African Republic, now in Ethiopia, we're talking about tens of thousands and even a couple hundred thousand Christian families displaced. And they're displaced in a way where it's not easy to say when they can go back, when they can reestablish their former lives. So now, like Jonathan said, we don't just have Nigeria where there are tens of thousands of severely victimized families, uh, thousands of widows of slain Christians. That has always been a huge uh, challenge that we're addressing. Now there are multiplied situations of that scale where we have thousands, if not tens of thousands of displaced Christian families. And in the case of Ethiopia, you also have the the makings of a civil war going on to try to maneuver around that as well. Yeah, and that's that's what sticks out to me is that there are such significant situations in Africa, which are full-scale civil wars, these huge humanitarian crises, tremendous persecution uh, situations our Christian brothers and sisters face that here in the U.S. we don't even know about largely. Yeah, it so, doesn't hit our radar at all. Yeah, the, the importance of the media that we're putting forward here at The Voice of the Martyrs to fill in that gap, that gap in our understanding, what uh, what about the global body of Christ and what our brothers and sisters face and what is their reality and what are their challenges? It's very, very important for this reason because our listeners you know, may not have heard anything about these places we're talking about right now, and these situations are extremely severe. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're talking with Jonathan Ekman. He is our Vice President for International Ministry, as well as Cole Richards. He is our President Jonathan, are there some good news stories? Are there some countries where we're not going to do as much work in 2021 because things are getting better for our persecuted brothers and sisters? Well, I would say when we think of good news, how about surprising news? Okay. So we've just come through, a, or we're still in the middle of a global pandemic, and that had a tremendous impact on our work. But one of the kind of unanticipated good news stories out of that was Bible distribution. We really thought when all the lockdowns started, we're in trouble. We're not. How are we going to move Bibles? Uh, and what we've found, almost without exception, is that we have still been able to distribute Bibles. And in one really unique case, there is a, a country where we have had Bibles staged for a couple of years and been unable to get them into the target country. And now with the COVID lockdowns, suddenly the borders were much easier. Uh, to cross. And we were able to move 40,000 Bibles into one of the most restricted countries in the world during the lockdown because of COVID. Wow. And, and I think for me, that was one of the, the best stories of the year for me is that even in the midst of all of those things, we were able to, to see that happen. As far as countries are changing, the only one that comes to mind is maybe Sudan. Uh, the situation in Sudan seems to be changing. None of us have a great deal of confidence in what we're reading in the news about maybe this new openness and and maybe the churches. We don't know if that's true or not, but that's one of the things that's being talked about is what is happening in Sudan right now? Is there really going to be a change that would, would release the burden on our persecuted family? Yeah, there? We, we have definitely experienced a stop to the, the bombs falling. So. Mm-hmm. Our Christian family members were being actively exterminated through a uh, an airdrop, you know, bomb campaign uh, led by the Sudanese regime up until uh, you know about two years ago, and so that has stopped, and that uh, administration is over. Uh, Omar al Bashir, uh, we just don't know what's going to replace it. Right. But at least for now, the bombs have stopped falling. 
So it's it's not great, but it's definitely somewhat better <laughs> in, in that specific way than it was. I, I do. I would say I think the the lockdowns from from COVID and all of that have really provided opportunities for some governments to really clamp down on the church. Uh, we hear sporadic, you know, stories of aid being given out by a, by a government, but you have to, you know, turn from Christianity. You have to come back to Islam or Hinduism in order to get aid. Um, so it, it's been a difficult year, um, but our God is still on the move around the world, working. and it's exciting to see. Jonathan, what's the hardest part of your job? You know, I often say I have the best job in missions. So <laughs> I think really the hardest part of my job is just continuing to build the team. You know, one of the issues for us as we talk about places like Africa is just capacity. So how do we bring the right kind of people to our team? Um, it's a very unique person that we're looking for. So that's a challenge. Uh, it's something that I enjoy doing. I, I love talking to these guys and, and looking to see what God might be doing. But I, I think for this year, yeah, trying to uh, to continue to build the international team here at VOM. So I want our listeners to put that on their prayer list because we always try to equip people to pray. Uh, and so pray for our team. Pray for the people that will need to serve Christians in Burkina Faso and Cameroon and all across Africa, as well as uh, other countries around the world. Cole, I want to shift gears a little bit and focus on America and focus on our work here in the United States. Uh, Jonathan talked about some of the changes in our international work, and for them it's like, hey, this is a new country, this is this. Are there changes happening in our ministry to the U.S. church as well? Yeah, something I'd like to share about that is that there there is a changing environment in which American Christians live and work relative to our faith. And really every American Christian knows that that's true and, and can sense that. And here at VOM, we're not going to overstate that. We're not going to overstate that to make American Christians feel like they're persecuted the same way Christians in the Central African Republic are or, or Christians in Iran. Uh, that's not true at all. However, something is increasingly true, and that's uh, something that helps us enter into the kind of biblical discipleship that we see in hostile areas and restricted nations. And the truth I'm referring to is that it's it's increasingly costly to be a bold witness for Christ here in the U.S. And so in our messaging in, in this year, in 2021, we're going to start referring more specifically to those things. Because what happens is it's important to talk about the cost of faith and the cost of being a bold witness for Christ here in the U.S., at that point, we value fellowship and relationship with persecuted Christians overseas, and we're more immediately inspired by their example. One thing that I'm writing right now for an upcoming editorial in our magazine is a piece that's reflective of something that I've been hearing over and over again, which is the high costs for people within their careers here in the U.S. Um, increasingly, American Christians, if they work for large companies especially, they understand that being a bold witness for Christ, being a biblical disciple of Christ, and having really anything, or in some cases having any identity with Christ publicly, is very costly for their careers. And in some cases, it keeps them from having a job at companies who are um, opposed to a Christian witness. And in other cases, it definitely caps their promotability. 
And we've heard many stories about this, including people, uh, even relatively prominent people, losing their jobs. And the only reason for losing that job is, as I said, they're known to be a witness for Christ. The reason for this is a a bold witness for Christ, um, Christ's truth shared in love, is at odds with the overwhelming ideas and agenda of America's largest companies and business community, which is trying to create this all-inclusive environment in which nothing really challenges anybody and and there's not really uh, ground for disagreement. Well, Christ doesn't... The word is tolerance. Yeah. We're just going to tolerate everyone. (laughs) So, and and really it's it's a code word for what I'm describing. Yep. Uh, You know, the word used is tolerance, but what they're really referring to is an environment in which none of us will disagree about anything. No one will rock the boat. Well, Christ didn't allow that. Christ didn't offer us an opportunity to follow him and not stir up controversy. And again, it it needs to be in love. But the truth of Christ, even when shared in Christ's love, is controversial because it creates, uh, you know, essentially dividing lines. It inherently creates dividing lines, inherently makes people think, second guess, question uh, their beliefs. And so it just really is true and increasingly pertinent to us as Christians here in the U.S. that as we read in the scripture, we will pay a price for bearing witness to Christ's truth. Now we see that, now we feel that. The most powerful comment I think I can make to to really bring this home uh, to our listeners is, is simply this. If we're raising young people, I have two kids in high school right now, if we're raising our children, our grandchildren, and we're not talking about uh, preparing them to pay the price for their faith, they will not navigate our society well when they go out into the workforce uh, in the future because the American workforce, the larger American culture, will not prop up their faith. It's going to challenge their faith. It's going to oppose their faith. And so we need to raise, we need to become ourselves, and then we need to raise up next generations of bold witnesses for Christ who are willing to pay any cost to be his witnesses because it will be costly for them. And to me, that says that uh, Voice of the Martyrs material is more relevant than it's ever been in any time in history, uh, because what better way to raise up our kids and our grandkids than by telling them the stories of Christians who are living that way right now in China, in you know other hostile and restricted nations, and as you said, willingly paying the price. They understand, yes, this is going to cost me, and yes, I'm willing to pay that price, what are some of the ways in this coming year that we're going to share those stories in maybe some new ways? Yeah, I, I can't say enough about our monthly magazine first and foremost, because it's in this monthly experience that your household can have where you enter into fellowship that we're talking about, because then you're aware of the our brothers and sisters in the global body of Christ. And that awareness leads you to do things like care for them, pray, and give, and we go work and serve them and serve with them uh, in those places. But then while that's happening, the fellowship also has a payback to us because we're inspired by their example. And we should be powerfully inspired by their example. Um, The example Jonathan gave earlier about a pastor, and and there are many of these in many countries where we serve, who are staying in a place that's already overrun by radicals who want to kill them. And the reason they're doing that is because they understand that being a witness for Christ in that place is more important than their safety. 
It's more important than their lives, than the safety of their families, than, than all of it. Um, this is what we need here in the U.S. because as we face everything from the awkwardness of sharing the gospel in a country where, in a culture where it's increasingly unpopular, all the way up to if I share the gospel, I might lose my job. This is the reality in our country. As we face those challenges, the inspiring example of our brothers and sisters around the world are so important to us. The second thing that's very important are inspiring examples from the past. So all throughout church history, recent history, and, and uh, you know, the, the longer-term past, we have this richness of inspiring examples, and we really live in a kind of poverty if we don't engage in that. So there's a wealth of great examples in Scripture, of course, and we put Christ's example foremost, but then there are so many other good examples. And one piece of media I'm very excited that we will release later this year is a feature film that covers... Um, the early life story of Richard and Sabina Wormbrand with a focus on Sabina. And this is a feature film that will release this fall, and it, it's called Sabina, Torture for Christ, the Nazi Years. Because first the Nazis invaded uh, the Romania of the World War II, uh, you know, post-World War II era when Richard and Sabina were, uh, were alive. Uh, first the Nazis invaded, and then later the communists, uh, Russians invaded. And in both cases, the Wormbrands decided they were a mission field. You know, these people who have invaded our country and hate us and are oppressing us and persecuting us, we're, we're not happy about that at all, but we're going to identify this as our opportunity to reach them for Christ. And so their example um, as Jews, they started their lives as atheist Jews. Of course, they became Christian Jews. But their example as Jews reaching out to Nazi soldiers with the gospel that you see in this film, uh, it makes you think about everything (laughs) about being willing to be a witness for Christ. Mind-blowing. For example, there's a a scene in in the film, and this is all a true story. This is the real story of Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. Um, we, We couldn't have even made this up. It's so powerful. But there's a scene when uh, she's witnessing to a German captain And the German captain says this, he says, you know it's a death sentence to shelter a German soldier, and yet you do it, and you're a Jew. And Sabina replied to him, my family was killed by the Nazis, but even the worst crimes are forgiven by faith in Christ. I don't have authority to forgive, but Jesus will if you repent. The captain replied to her, madam, I won't pretend to understand you, but perhaps if no one had this gift of returning good for evil, then there would never be an end to killing. And that's the... That's the example we have among persecuted Christians, is that they're willing to rise above the challenges of this world. So in this episode, Sabina's rising above the what challenge? Well, the challenge of her own family was killed by Nazis, and she's willing to lead Nazi soldiers. Uh, also in her story is one of the Nazi soldiers who likely killed, was one of those who killed her own family members. Uh, she and Richard led them to Christ, and you get to see that, uh, that true story happen in this movie. But the key is that they're willing to rise above the challenges of this world to be a witness for Christ because of the eternal reality uh, of Christ. And so Richard and Sabina from the past, um, stories of persecuted Christians from today, many of which we can read in your new book, Todd, that will come out in a couple months. Coming in March. (laughs) And then also in the VOM magazine. These are the kind of stories that we as Christians need to embrace. This is the kind of media that we need to embrace Um, so that we can rise above the challenges of the fallen world. We saw so many challenges as Americans in the fallen world, in our own nation, 
last year in 2020. And it would really be a shame if we can get drugged down and bogged down in the mud of the fallen world challenges instead of rising above them for the sake of Christ and for eternity. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Jonathan Eckman. He is our Vice President for International Ministry, as well as Cole Richards. He is our president. You talked about teenagers and our young people, the children that we're raising, the grandchildren that are in our families. How do we translate these stories or or use the monthly magazine or use the film? How do we use those best to really help our young people drive those kind of roots into this truth so that when challenges come, because they will come 100% certainty, you will be challenged. How do we help them sort of develop that strong timber to be able to stand those challenges? Yeah, the first thing is the power of story and examples. So we can get in a trap, honestly, as parents, as educators, as pastors, of just bringing forward the truth by itself over and over again. Instruction. <laughs> it, just instruction over and over again. And it, and it ends up being sort of platitudes. It just, you know, everybody knows the right answer to the question. The right answer is we will pay any price to be a witness for Christ. We all know that's the answer. But, but then what about our daily behaviors? What's going to inspire us to go next door or across town? What's going to inspire us to go reach Muslims here in our own cities here in the U.S. instead of hating them but to reach them with the love of Christ? This is when we need stories and examples. And um, I'd like Jonathan to talk about this as his experience as a, youth, as a youth pastor, but I certainly see, not just among youth, but everybody, the power of story and of examples. And certainly that's why the scripture is story after story. In addition to you know truth, it's, it's story and example. I, I think the other thing is to, to honestly help our students understand that what they're reading in our media, in the, in the magazine every month, is not somehow exceptional Christianity. And this is something that the parents, all of us, honestly, have to wrap our brains around as well. <laughs> because if you look at Scripture, and you look at church history, and then you look at our newsletter, what you find is what you see in our newsletter, what we see happening to our brothers and sisters around the world, is normal Christianity. And we in America, for uh, forever, it seems like, have lived kind of this sheltered, kind of blessed life. And if we're not careful, our students begin to think, well, that's that's normal, right? And I just I just do enough. I'm a nice guy, and I go to church, and I, I write a check, and I go to camp every summer. And to help our students, and I, I think our newsletter can do that better than almost any piece of media, no, this is what it looks like to be a Christian, right? And it's not something that shames us. It's something that that helps us say, Wow, look at this. Look at this example. And and the, the temptation that we fall into sometimes is thinking, oh, those poor people. Well, those poor people, that pastor I sat with uh, in in around Cameroon, that guy, I never I didn't leave that room thinking, that poor brother. What I thought is, man, I'm not worthy to be with that guy. And I, I thank God that there are men like that around the world. And when I read our magazine, I think the same thing. Thank God for those people, right? And God can use them especially in the life of our students, to be willing to take a risk and to be willing to do something that may cause a problem. But that seems to be how God has always worked, right? His people get in trouble and then God shows up and... I think that idea of not sort of organizing our lives around risk avoidance, we are very comfortable, and I'm pointing at me, I am very comfortable 
this risk avoidance is what keeps me comfortable. So why would I start thinking differently? But like you say, our brothers and sisters, they're not thinking about risk avoidance. They're thinking about, okay, what's God calling me to do? How can I advance the kingdom? The the cost that it could factor in, they really kind of push that aside and say, no, 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 let's talk about advancing the kingdom. And the fact that these stories aren't from 200 years ago. They were this year, right? Yeah. My kids are grown, but I look and think, man, what an example you have to set before your children mm-hmm. and say, let's talk about sister so-and-so. Look at this example and look at the way God has used her, even through unbelievable hardship that maybe we can't imagine. And yet she's still faithful to God and she believes God is still faithful to her. And Cole, I know, because uh, we talked about this earlier, the, the Sabina movie that's coming out later this year, many of our listeners will have seen Tortured for Christ, the film. Uh, we had John Groters on Voice of the Martyrs Radio talking about making the film. This one you think is a little, maybe a little more approachable for people. Kind of explain that. Yeah, in the first film and in Richard's book, Tortured for Christ, you meet the Wormbrands while they're, living out this walk of faith at the highest level where they're willing to give give up their uh, safety, their security, where they're literally being, uh, they're willing to be uh, tortured and imprisoned for the sake of Christ. And, and that's, of course, that's a very powerful story. Well, what's also powerful is to understand the early part of their life because they began as atheists. They had completely rejected any belief in God after they were raised as Jews so they were raised as Jews, but had rejected any kind of religious or, or faith within Judaism. And so that left them very just worldly. So now you've got this worldly, highly edu- very highly educated, very accomplished, and even very wealthy on their way to being very wealthy um, young couple. That's who the Wormbrands began as. That means something. It means that you know, they, they weren't born into uh, a seven generations of Christian leadership or something like that. They, they weren't. They, they became really uh, people that we can identify as exemplary biblical Christians for all, you know, example for all of us. They became that way after starting as atheists and after living very worldly lives um, as young people. And so watching them go through that process but the process really takes specific steps where they have to decide to pay a price, where they decide to pay a price by not just having a personal faith um, and being quiet about it. They come to a, a biblical faith that requires them to be a bold witness for Christ, including to those who are opposed to them. And that's the critical step because that kind of, the, the nominal kind of Christian faith that unfortunately is much too common here in the U.S., that, that's going away because there's no reason to fake it anymore. Um, our, our country, our culture is largely opposed to a strong Christian witness, and so there's no reason to fake it anymore. People are going to walk as biblical disciples and pay a price for doing so because of the opposition, or they're going to fall away. And so the Wormbrands are a great example of that. They, they don't just come to some kind of notion of personal faith. They come to a biblical faith, which, like I said, requires us to bring that faith to the lost. And once you start exerting yourself to advance God's kingdom that way, there's always a cost and there's always opposition. Far too frequently in the U.S., 
um, especially our young people, I'm concerned, have come to this idea, which is false. The idea is that they will bless their community and those around them with the love of Christ, and their community will welcome them and love them and appreciate them because they're a blessing. They're blessed to be a blessing, and everyone will see that, and they will love me as a Christian. That's not what the Bible says, and it's not real. What's really true is when you bring the truth of Christ, even when it's wrapped in his love, you will be rejected by the fallen world. You'll be rejected by the enemy. You'll be rejected by those who are in power, just like Christ was. And so Christ teaches us things like in, in Romans 12, repay no one evil for evil. And if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not, over, don't, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We read things like that. Well, now it's time for American Christians, we have to walk that out. And, and the way we have to walk it out is being willing to face opposition because we're being a witness for Christ. That means we go beyond having a personal faith to being uh, evangelistic, if you will, with our faith which is biblical discipleship. And that's the example, again, back to the example of persecuted Christians around the world. They're suffering because they advance God's kingdom, because they stay as a witness for Christ in in an Islamist area. They could choose to be quiet about it. They could choose to go into hiding. They could choose not to obey Christ, Uh, but they don't. And the worm brands are an example that all the stories that are in your book, Todd, are exemplary individuals that we need to look to to, to really embrace a biblical discipleship that involves paying a price after paying a price after paying a price, even here in our own country. Cole, I asked Jonathan this question earlier. I'll ask you now as we kind of wrap up, what's the hardest part of your job? Yeah, it's an awkward question, like for Jonathan too, because um, you know fundamentally we serve persecuted Christians. So like Jonathan said, we're the least spiritual people in any room when we go, like when you go in the field too, Todd, and you interview persecuted Christians, we're always humbled by uh, the part that we're playing. But I would say that the challenge of what we're trying to do in 2021, for me, I, I view the challenge in our international work, like we were talking about earlier, is scaling up to meet these tremendous needs. So the, these are profound needs when we're talking about tens of thousands of displaced Christians meeting those needs or even beginning to meet those needs and and show them love and fellowship from the larger body of Christ in places that are war-torn and were hard to get to even before the war broke out. Um, these are the places where almost no one's able to go where we are, you know, we cry out to the Lord for a way to just get there and, and a way to be able to meet those needs. So that that's a challenge in our international work is carrying out this work in these incredibly hostile, incredibly difficult areas. Then the challenge in this uh, U.S. side of our ministry, one thing is to get people's attention. Uh, there are so many things that American Christians can listen to today instead of this broadcast. There are so many books they could read instead of your book, Todd, or instead of our Wormbrand book, or instead of the Bible, honestly. There's so many things that we can choose to do every day. So I'm praying for a real revival in the U.S. where people will engage with Scripture first, engage with prayer, engage with the, the body of Christ, and then engage with uh, the right kind of Christian media. And by the right kind, I mean the kind that's going to inspire you to live and walk as a genuine biblical Christian. Not the kind that's going to convince you you're fine if you're not, but the kind that's going to challenge you to live in light of Scripture, the examples in Scripture, 
live in light of Christ's example, live in light of the example of the larger body of Christ to really walk out our faith this year. Cole and Jonathan, thank you for your service to VOM. Uh, thank you for your hearts, for our persecuted brothers and sisters, and thanks for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. It was great to be with thanks, you, Thanks, Todd. Bless you. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As always, I would encourage you to go to vomradio.net. I would also invite you, as we start out a new year, share Voice of the Martyrs Radio with a Christian friend, someone who would be encouraged or challenged or blessed by the stories that we tell every week of our persecuted brothers and sisters. So uh, just invite somebody to listen with you or send them a link. Encourage them to take part in VOM Radio this coming year. I want to also invite you to be back with us next week. We have a guest from YWAM Frontier Missions. We're going to talk about training up gospel workers, training up church leaders inside hostile and restricted nations. Uh, some amazing things have happened in the last 12 months. Uh, as we talked about earlier today, in spite of COVID, uh, COVID opened some amazing doors for the YWAM Frontier Missions team. We're going to hear about that next week, and I hope you'll be back with us right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.